Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I'm excited that you're uh, you're here with us. Um, you know, and we, we, the truth is, uh, it's special how God has brought people together. Uh, so many different walks of life, so many backgrounds. Some of you have been in church your whole life. We have old and young, rich and poor, and everyone in between. But I just believe that God loves his church. Can I get an amen? But I'm so grateful that God brought so many people here. Even during COVID, many people were dislodged and uh, kind of homeless or, or didn't have a place to go. And uh, it's been cool how many people we've met in the last year that God has brought here. So everybody doing good? Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, this is a special Sunday. I don't know if I told you that yet. It's going to be historic. Yeah. You're like, dude, I've heard it 70 times. Get to the point. I'm going somewhere, but I want to just welcome everybody out of the gates. I know that uh, some people are new today. Maybe you're watching online. You don't normally go to church or watch church. Uh, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of expectation today. Uh, We believe that the Bible was not written to document history alone. We believe that this book has intrinsic power. We believe that when people boldly get up and preach it, whether it's a man or a woman, can I get an amen? This book has an anointing, a power that is released. We believe that the Bible is kind of like a TV. It requires electricity. And the electricity is called faith. The Bible says that you can actually read what we read, but if you don't mix it with faith, it doesn't turn on. And so today, can I just ask you to bring some faith to the table today? We're going to read out of the Bible today. We're going to lean in. We're in a series called The Impossible. And wouldn't you know it that when you start talking about the impossible, God starts to do the impossible. And uh, something happened this last week that I'm going to announce at the end of the service that really was an impossibility. And so today, I believe it's going to happen on a large scale, but I also believe there are some miracles that are going to happen on a personal level. Some of you are here in the tents and others are watching online. Maybe you got a bad prognosis, a fatal, maybe a prognosis from a doctor. Maybe it's a terminal disease. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's lymphoma. Maybe, it's, maybe you're in a place that they're trying to tell you there's no way to help you. I want you to know today there's always a way with Jesus. Throughout history, he has done what nobody else can do. Some of you have an eating disorder you've never been able to get rid of. There's someone here today, you have an opioid addiction. You opened up the door when you were in junior high school, and you've never been able to sever it. And you know if you stay on the course you're on, you won't live long. God brought you here today. And I want to announce to you before we get there that today is the day of deliverance. Can I get it? You believe that God delivers today? Come on. Give him 10 seconds of crazy praise. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I serve eviction notice to any spirit that's not the Holy Spirit. This is God's tent. These are God's people. And we're breathing air that belongs to Jesus. Can I get an amen? And so we're going uh, to get into this today. But what makes Oceans kind of cool, people like, is that it's not just a place that we grow intellectually, which we do, but it's a place that our spirit man grows. We get closer to God. We connect with Jesus. We believe that Jesus didn't go to the cross for humanity to get religious. Jesus went to the cross because God wanted to know a personal relationship with his kids. And what we believe is that 2,000 years ago, God, the creator of the universe, would treat his own beloved son the way that you and I deserve to be treated so that 2,000 years later, he could treat you and I the way he wanted to treat his son. This is the good news. And today, we're in a series again called The Impossible. And I have a word I want to share with you. And I believe it's a prophetic word. What does that mean? It's a word that's for this season. I don't know if you noticed, but the world's kind of crazy right now. I feel like I'm watching Saturday Night Live skits when I turn on the news. Like, is that Will Ferrell? Um, We got crazy headlines. Logic has has evaporated. Uh, Common sense is no longer common. People are calling up, down, and down, up, right, wrong, and wrong, right. We've lost our way, but I have good news is that throughout history, God has always leveraged crooked environments for revival. You believe that today? He has always used crazy times, whether it's wars or rumors of wars, whether it's pestilence or whether it's famines. God has done his greatest work, never on the backdrop of peace and blue skies. It has always been when there are storm clouds at at, at bay. 
And I believe that today is going to be a day of personal and collective breakthrough. And if you believe it on credit, say amen. amen. So we're going to go to, well, today we're going to go to the book of Luke, chapter 6. Luke 6. I have a message I want to share with you. I'll give you the title here in just a minute. Is everybody doing okay? Yes. I want to read uh, six verses today, five verses today, out of Luke chapter 6. This is a story about a man that got healed on a Sunday at church. And uh, like some of you guys, what you have in common with this guy is he had no idea that that was the day that his life would forever change. He actually showed up. He sat in the back. I'll explain in a little bit. But he had a serious problem that maybe that we don't realize even the ramifications of it today that ostracized him from culture. He was isolated. He was alienated. He was kind of the, the, the push to the margins. The Bible says he had a condition with a withered hand. Say it with me, withered hand. And I want to talk to you about this today a little bit, but this is a very significant miracle, so much so that three out of the four authors of the Gospels put it in their documents. And so today, we're going to go to Luke chapter 6. If you want to read all of them, you can actually look at Matthew 12 and Mark chapter 3, and then Luke chapter 6 is where we'll go today. But if you're there, say, I'm there. And uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. Uh, I think it's good today you can say amen. <laughs> if you feel the presence of God, you can start clapping. Uh, come on, be faith-filled. Not obnoxious, but faith-filled, amen? We're going to have a good time today. It says this in uh, the verse 6 of chapter 6 of the book of Luke. It says, now it happened on another Sabbath, another Sabbath, also that Jesus entered in to the, to the synagogue, to the church, and he began to teach. And a man there whose right hand was withered. It was a withered hand. Which hand was it? That's the significant part of the story here. So the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious elite of the day, they watched him closely. Whether Jesus, he, capital H, it's Jesus, would heal on the Sabbath. That they might not celebrate, but that they might find an accusation against him. I have found that religious people are more happy with liturgical services that they can control than in services that the power of God comes but disrupts the methods. And they, they look for an accusation, but he knew their thoughts. And Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, Arise and step forward. And he arose and he stood. Then Jesus said to them, I ask everybody here, you one thing, is it lawful to do good or evil, to save life or to destroy life on the Sabbath? He looked around the room at everybody, Mark's gospel says that everyone was quiet and Jesus was grieved. The word grieved in the book of Mark is the only time that word appears in the Bible. But it literally means to be so saddened by the hardness of somebody's heart. He was grieved that no one would respond. A simple answer, it's to do good. It's like asking somebody what a woman is. It's an easy answer. Oh, it's too, too soon, too soon. It's an easy answer. But they... He says, is it to do good or to do evil? It's, a, it's an easy answer. But religious people are too scared to answer because they, they, they want to please the religious crowd. Are you with me today? And so they go, to do good or to do evil? And when he looked around them all, he said, stretch out your hand. What did he say? Stretch out. Say it with me. Stretch out. I'm going to preach today if you let me. Come on, say it with me. Stretch out. Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And as he stretched it out, his hand was restored. As whole as the other hand. His other hand was normal. But they were filled with rage, discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Are you guys ready to go? I might kick some sacred cows today. But I'm into some holy cow tipping. Is that all right? Father, we love you. We honor you. We invite you to come today. Would you meet us here? We love you. Whether we do or we don't know you yet, I pray that you would invade these tents. Meet me where I am. Lead me where you want me to go. And help me to know you so I can be what you want me to be. Let it be an awesome day in your house, Lord, a historic day. We love you so much. Help the Lakers. Do what you can, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 Uh, I don't know. Being a kid is awesome. Who likes being young? Okay. Well, God bless. I love being a kid growing up. I was an 80s kid. I think 80s was an awesome era. <laughs> We had Full House. We had Darkwing Duck. Tailspin. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The cartoon. 
I remember waking up. Come on, I had, this is back before we knew how bad cereal was for you. Yeah. It was a special window in history. It's back when people were excited to drink regular milk. <clears throat> back when milk used to advertise on television. I remember I grew up in a special era of time. It was a magical season. We used to go outside, play outside. Times have changed. We used to go outside. We used to know the neighbor kids. Come on. We'd go outside playing all day. I, I would play tag for four hours, 16 games of street basketball, 14 games of horse. We'd play four football games. Then we'd go on a 20-mile bike ride. Mom knew, had no idea where we were. No cell phones, no pagers. Just living in the 80s. Come on. It's crazy times, crazy times. Remember growing up? We do all these activities. And you know what's funny? I, I realized this week, I'm like, man, I'm not young anymore. And I knew I wasn't young anymore because I had an old man moment. What do you mean old man moment? I had a moment that a thought popped into my head that I actually categorized as an old man thought. Here was the thought that popped into my head this week. I need to stretch. When I was growing up, I never thought this would be a good moment to stretch. Before a bike ride, before a sporting event, before I went somewhere, I never. When I went snowboarding growing up, I used to go, I was jumping 100-foot tabletops, doing flips and falling and crashing and rails. It never once occurred to me. I should probably loosen up first. I would never finish the day and go, you know what, if I don't stretch right now, I'm going to pay for it tomorrow. So this week, I'm literally putting my shoes on. It was my socks. She's like, that's why you don't wear socks. Exactly. The truth comes out. I'm trying to put socks on. I'm like, man, I need the stretch. My friend was telling me, I drove by a place in San Clemente. It's actually a franchise that helps people stretch. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's like Texas gold right there. That's like black oil. Come on, somebody. Text, or, or, or black gold, oil right there. A stretching company. People like me, they're like, man, I'm having a hard time getting my socks on these days. This thing about stretching. Like, man, when I was a kid, I was like Jean-Claude Van Damme. Had two chairs doing the splits. Now I have a hard time putting socks on. I'm like, man, that's a little uncomfortable up here. I was thinking, I need to start stretching. It was an old man thought. I just had this moment. I'm like, man, what is going on? Started realizing, like, like, like this week, I was, I was looking up the benefits of stretching. Yes. Don't judge me. I'm 38. I'm, I look 37. I'm 38. Benefits of stretching, they say it increases your flexibility. Yes. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Another, another, another article said it increases your range of motion. Like that, that's probably helpful. Some say it improves your performance in physical activities. Another, another article said it increases the blood flow to your muscles. It improves your posture. I need that. It heals and prevents pain in your spine. It's a great stress reliever. And it can calm your mind. I'm like, man, I should probably prioritize stretching. There's some things in your life you don't do, and you're like, I should probably do that. My stepdad got LASIK surgery for his eyes, and he's like, I got out of that appointment. I'm like, this is a different world. He's like, why did I not prioritize this sooner? What is more important than seeing? But oftentimes in life, there is things that matter a lot that we don't put much energy into. I believe stretching is one of those things. I believe that we are personally in a season right now that God is calling the church to get ready to stretch. We often stretch before something great happens. You watch NFL football, those guys are stretching out before the games to be at optimal performance level for when the moment comes that God would call on them. The coach would call on them. It's, a, it's an NFL God, I guess. Uh, little deity. Crazy. But there's moments that we stretch before something great happens. Oftentimes, we are required to stretch before we exert ourselves at a high level. We stretch oftentimes before we do something that we can't do cold. And I feel like God is getting ready to call us prophetically into a season. That God is asking us to get ready to do something we have never done before. If you believe it, come on, say amen. Stretch. Come on, tap your neighbor say stretch out. 
I believe that God is getting ready to stretch us. You know, Isaiah, Isaiah 54 says it this way, enlarge the place of your tent. Before 2020, I read that verse differently. After 2020, I'm like, wait, 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 the tent part? Let me read that again. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. He says, do not spare. Say it with me, don't, be, don't spare. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. I want to, I want to add this revelation even last service that the larger your tent gets, the stronger your stakes have to be in the ground. My brother's a carny in the summertime. He has a tent. I like to tell him that he likes that joke, but he has a, he has a sign company. He does a tent at the fair in Idaho. And in Idaho, we get these crazy days, 110 degrees. And then you get this crazy wind and hail and storms that blow through high mile per hour winds. And there was years he goes, Mark, uh, my little tents didn't require the same size stakes that my larger tent required. And I believe that the larger God makes your tent, the stronger and bigger your stakes have to be. And I even believe that we are in a prophetic season right now, individually and collectively, that God's saying it's time to get bigger stakes. The stakes are getting bigger and higher because the tents are getting larger. He says to stretch. Say with me, stretch. He says that you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations. He says you'll make desolate cities inhabited. Why does God allow stretching? I believe that all of God's moments of stretching are always connected to people. Why does God stretch us? You ever been there before? You feel financially stretched. You feel like you're in a family stretched. You feel like you're in a workplace right now that you're being stretched. Who's ever felt stretched before? Anybody? Why would God allow you to feel strained, expanded? You feel like there's a resistance on you. I believe that all of God's stretching has purpose behind it. God does not stretch people for no reasons. Come on, can I get somebody to respond up in here today? God doesn't stretch for the sake of stretching. Like athletes, he only stretches us when he's got something he's getting ready to do. Notice he tells a man with a withered hand, stretch out your hand. Why did God ask him to do that? Because he was getting ready to do something. I want to paint the backdrop here. That maybe like you today, this, this, this withered man came to church not expecting a thing. He was there to witness some famous rabbi preaching in his local church. He was standing in the back as an ostracized, outcast member of society. Because unlike today even, that to, be, to be those with a physical deformity would make you an outcast of society. The fact that it was his right hand was the even larger deal. Because in the ancient world, everything was done with the right hand. You blessed with the right hand. You shook with the right hand. You, you did all your dealings with the, they called it the mighty right hand. It was the authority of God in the what hand? It was the right hand. Right hands carried with it the power, authority. This guy had a withered right hand. In the ancient world, they categorized the left hand as the unclean hand. I won't go into details, but basically even when it came to uh, going to the bathroom, it was a known fact that it was the left hand, not the right hand. So there was an uncleanliness connected to the left hand that was not associated to the right. So this guy, they say, scholars say, he was likely injured while he was a brick mason. He wasn't born with a withered hand. Something happened detrimental in his life that, 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 that immobilized him. I don't know if you've been there before. Maybe you weren't born with some of the decisions that you've made throughout your life. And maybe it was a bad decision that you made that put you in a precarious situation. What we know about the man with the withered hand is that he was not able to grasp, not able to reach, and he had lost authority in his life. And I want you to know that I believe that in our, our culture today, that it's very easy like this man to be in a religious environment with no power that people are more scared of God to move in an uncontrollable way than to actually marry liturgical practices that keep people in the same withered condition. I believe this church was like this man. It was a withered synagogue preaching a withered message. 
there were Pharisees and Sadducees that were, that were entrenched in the traditions of men and nullified the commandments of God. They were married to the law and not to helping people. Jesus comes in, a little bit renegade-ish, and he goes, hey, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, Sabbath was made for the man. He says, if you have a sheep on the Sabbath that's, that's hurting, would you not on your day off, your day of rest, help them out? He says, let the record state that church on Sunday is to give life and save life, not to put people in bondage and to hurt people. That's why we're here. We're here to help, not hurt. Can I get an amen? Withered hand, ostracized, lost his grip, lost his movement, could no longer reach. And I love the fact that God does his greatest work Right with this, this crazy phrase, he just says, step up, step forward, and stretch out. I believe prophetically. I know it's not very, it's not very uh, uh, complicated. It's not very theologically deep. It's not, a, it's not some in, intrinsically powerful revelation. But I heard the Lord saying this week to Ocean's Church, number one, someone say with me, step up. I believe this is the time that we stand up, number one. Say it with me, stand up. Wrong order, preacher. Say it again. Stand up. Number one, I believe God is calling us to stand up. You know, the only thing that's bad about standing up when your hand is withered and you're already embarrassed of your condition is to stand in front of a bunch of religious men that have two hands. The last thing that the withered man wanted to do on that Sunday was to show his greatest levels of weakness, to expose the area of his life he was not proud of. And I have found that Jesus comes on the scene in the origins of his ministry all the way to this day to create a new kind of church, a church that we don't just show him the good hand, we actually bring him the bad hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I'm talking Orange County, the land of Botox and fillers, but I'm telling you that God doesn't want to just see what looks good in your life. He wants what's difficult in your life. Don't just show me the good hand. Give me the withered hand. And that's why I love the story. He says, I want you to stand up. And when you stand up, I want you to step forward. He's literally not just standing up. He's no longer a spectator. God makes him in the church a participator. You are now an active part of this community. And I believe many of you today have been sitting in these tents, been watching online as a back row spectator. And God says, today's the day you step up. Stand up, step up. What God's doing in this church, he wants to do in your life. You see, the church had a withered message, it had a bunch of withered leaders, and that guy had a withered hand. But what we know here is that God, on that day, decided before the guy decided that even in a hostile environment, God can do anything. You know what God didn't need that day? Let's make the record state. That God did not need that day. He did not need the agreement of the religious dead people. That room was charged with people that did not want to see God move. But what I love is, is Jesus has never needed the Pharisees' amen to move. And I want you to know that today, God does not need the Pharisees of this county to say amen to a great revival. If there would just be some that would believe that God can do it, God will do it, God will awaken. If my people, not the world, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, God says, I'll heal that land. Come on, 10 seconds if you believe it. Give him a shout. We believe. We believe. We believe. I'm sorry, sit down, I'm fired up. You guys are getting me all fired up today. Preaching myself into a good mood. I'm telling you that God is asking us to step up. And when you stand up and you step up, here's where it gets interesting. He tells them to stretch out your hand. Notice that God is so kind, he let the guy choose what kind of moment he's going to have. It doesn't say it in the scripture, but I wonder if maybe he had a long sleeve shirt on, and maybe he had uh, this going on with his, in the pocket, because he was so embarrassed of his ailment, of his deformity, of his condition, that people could see his good hand, but his other hand was hidden. I wonder, when Jesus says, stretch out your hand, if he had a conscious choice to go, do I stretch out my good hand? And pretend to everybody that everything's okay. I'm fine. I got a great house. 
I got a great, great spouse. I got a great job. I have lots of money. I don't need God. I'll take God. Just give me, give me the, give me the Pharisee level of Jesus. But we know about religion, dead religion is this, is it looks good on the outside, but it's empty on the inside. Something happened in this guy that he was willing to go, you know what? Stretch out your hand. I love the fact that the miracle didn't happen because he stretched his hand out. The miracle happened because God invited him into a promise. And the miracle didn't happen until he stretched his hand out. I want you to know it's hard to stretch your hand because doctors will even tell you that when you don't use your hand, it, it becomes atrophy. 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 And when your muscles develop atrophy, what happens is you lose your strength. God asked him to do something he couldn't do in his own power. You know what the crazy part was? It didn't start to happen until he tried to do it. I believe it's obedience to God's word that actually causes miracles to happen. The miracle wasn't in a stretch. The miracle was in the response of obedience to God's command. Stretch out your hand. I have found that God does his greatest work when we stretch. Can I get an amen? What do you mean, preacher? I mean that throughout the Bible, God gets glory when human beings respond to his command to stretch. Moses, right? Moses, Exodus 17. He's on a mountain with Aaron and her. And it says that the battle was going on in the valley. And as long as he had his arms stretched. Stacy, come up here on the keys. I'm almost finished. As long as his arms were what? There was victory in the valley. We look at stories like, like uh, even 1 Kings chapter 17. When Elisha sees a dead boy and doesn't know what to do. So he stretches out over the boy three different times. It wasn't until he stretched that something began to change. We look at even Abraham in Genesis 22 when he stretched out his hand to kill his only son at a word from God that the angel says, stop, now I know you trust God. It wasn't until Abraham stretched that God knew he was legit. And I believe that even on the cross, you see, you see hands that are nailed to a cross and feet that are nailed to a cross, a body that is stretched. Even on Calvary, the greatest miracle that humanity has ever received was through someone's obedience to stretch. I believe there's moments of your life that define you, that you have the choice, do I play it safe? Do I show God my good hand? Or do I get honest with myself? And do I get honest with the Lord? And say, God, I want to be as whole in this area of my life as I am in this area of my life. It says one of his hands was normal and one of his hands, are you hearing me today? I don't know about you, but there's parts of your life that go, man, I wish I was as strong with this as I am with this. So good with money. So terrible with this. So good with integrity, but so terrible with this. I'm so honest here, but I'm so here. I'm struggling there. Are you hearing me today? So much light in this part of my life, but so much darkness here. Lord, would you make this weak area like this area? And it was the response of going, God, I hear you asking me to do what I can't do in my own strength. And I'm not going to offer you something fake. I'm not perfect. This church is not perfect. We not, there's no claims to that. We're not a cult. Can I get an amen to that? Clear that up real quick. But I will make this record clear is that, that we're imperfect people. But I'll tell you, there's been moments in my life that have defined me that we are, we've been genuine all along. When I was 18 at a campground, God said, I want you to move to Idaho. I want you to live with your dad. And I want you to go to Bible college. I was living in the high desert. The last thing I wanted to do was stretch. I wanted to stay here. I wanted to become a full-time pro snowboarder. I wanted to live a godless life. I wanted to party. I wanted drug, sex, and rock and roll. That's the 80s. But little did I know that God had a different plan for my life. It was scary. It was embarrassing. It was nerve-wracking. All eyes, all my friends from California looked at me and they said, We're, you're doing what? God asked me to stand up. God asked me to step up. And then he said, I want you to stretch out. Stretch out your 10 pegs to the state of Idaho. So I would move in 2002. I didn't know anybody except my dad who I had a bad relationship with. I was there and my dad was going through his third divorce. 
going through Bible college, terrible situation, didn't like it. But God would do something so deep in me the first year that I had to stay for the second year. The second year, the pastor's daughter would develop this heavy crush on me. I couldn't leave. I didn't want to break her heart. It's fun to tell the story. We would get married in 2005. Her pastors were, were founding pastors of one of the greatest churches in the state of Idaho. It started in 1983. My wife grew up in this church. She's in one church her whole life. She said, Mark, at, uh, during our honeymoon, she said, Mark, there's two things we never want to do in life. We never want to start a church, and we never want to be the lead pastors. That's crazy. My parents went through hell. We don't want to do that. And I said, that's all right. I, I, whatever you say, I'm in, as long as you marry me. <laughs> we got married in 05. About three and a half years into our marriage, we happened to be reading Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Church, of how they started Saddleback Church. I started crying. My heart started beating out of my rib cage. I heard the Spirit of God say, one day you're going to do what this guy did. Little did I know I would do it in the same place that he did it. I told Rochelle, I said, God's, babe, God's telling us to start a church. She said, no, he's not. We already settled that. I said, no, for real. He's telling us that we're going to start a church. I said, no, read this book. So she said, I've read it. I said, read it again. And when she started reading it, she started crying too. We prayed. We'd never seen someone leave our church in Idaho well. It was always divisive. Someone was upset, power hungry, disgruntled. We never saw someone being sent out well. And so we said, God, we don't want to screw our family up. Our boss is, our, is my in-laws. We got to do Thanksgiving with these people. We can't screw this up. So we said, God, if we are going to go, we'll go anywhere in the world. We'll do whatever you want us to do under one condition. We'll stretch under one condition. That it has to be our in-law, my parents, in-laws, our pastors, their idea. They have to come to us and start the conversation. If they tell us they think we're supposed to leave, we'll go anywhere in the world. But if they don't start the conversation, we're never going to bring it to them. We thought, man, we, we just made the greatest negotiation ever. We are safe. That's like a Nick Saban contract. I thought it was bulletproof. And wouldn't you know, about a year and a half later, a prophetic lady by the name of Cindy Jacobs was at a dinner table with my in-laws, knew my in-laws lightly not real well, and she said, how many kids do you guys have? They said, three. They said, which one's your favorite? They said, Rochelle. I'm kidding. Changes some stories. They got to Rochelle and they said, they said, yeah, she's married to a guy and they're the youth pastors of our church. And Cindy said, God told me that her husband's not from Idaho. He's from somewhere else. And they go, yeah, he's from Southern California. And she pointed at him at a table and she said, they're church planners. They're going to move to Southern California and they're going to start a church that will become a global movement. And my in-laws were like, they came home. They said, does this mean anything to you? And before they finished, Rochelle and I were just like drenched, totally crying. Six weeks later, I would come and speak at a conference in San Diego. We knew Southern California. I'm like, Lord, please don't let it be the Antelope Valley. Please don't let it be the Antelope Valley. Please don't let it be the Antelope Valley. I'm speaking in San Diego. Pastor's wife came up to me after the service. She never heard me speak before. She goes, Mark, I never heard you before. She goes, this never happens to me. But while you were speaking in our church tonight, I had a vision of you. And you were in this beautiful building. It was big. I think it was your church. Behind you, there was a banner that said Orange County. Does that mean anything to you? I was like, thank you. It's not Anglo Valley. Oh. So grateful. We would get so many confirmations. Everything would line up. 2018, we would load up everything we have into this, this trailer right here. It's a 26-foot U-Haul. That's the first picture of Ocean's Church. That's Ocean's Church. Started these interest gatherings. We didn't know anybody. We spent some money on Instagram, like, come hang out with us. We have free food. At the Union Market in Mission Viejo, we had a, we had a, you know, a decent amount of people. Most of those people were from Idaho on vacation. 
You want to move down here? You can't afford it on me either. Um, so we did this interest meetings, and then God would pr- provide a, a facility at Capitol Valley High School. Amazing miracle opportunity. Beautiful state-of-the-art building. I loved it. We grew to about 200 people in that theater. It sat 450, and my dream was to pack it out. We never got to pack it out. Because they told us about 11, they, they told us in the beginning, after 11 months, you're gone. We're not re-signing you. We're like, but we're good tenants. We're, we pay our bills. We're giving you a lot of money. And they said, no, 11 months, you're out. Side note, I didn't say this first service, but you know what we're going to do? In about, uh, about two months, we're going to do our first live recording in that theater. And we're going to pack that thing out. We're going to videotape it. We're going to show the world. That's kind of a cool story. But you know what's amazing is we were at Capitol Valley. They said, no, we got to move. If they didn't force us to move, we wouldn't have found the Hills Hotel. We go to the Hills Hotel for a few weeks. Look something like that. Or exactly like that. We were there for a couple weeks. And after a couple weeks, they said, hey, you can meet here, but not consistently. We're like, well, not meeting consistency is like the worst thing you can do in church planning. So we have to find something else. And God, in, in July of 2019, would allow us to find our San Juan Capistrano campus. It was our first lease building, our first official, it was like our first apartment. We're so excited, it's ours. And if we didn't get kicked out of the theater and the hotel, we had no idea that five months, six months after we were in that building, that the world would shut down. And if we were still in that school theater, we would have been shut down meeting on the beach. But God would provide a venue that wasn't owned by the state, wasn't run by the city, that was a separate entity. And when the world said you can't go indoors, we say, we'll buy a tent. So we bought this big tent. And we grew to about 400 people before COVID. And the first Sunday of the tents, we had 500. Over the next 16 months, our church would quadruple in size. We would go on to buy two, three, four, five tents. The neighbors started complaining. The city was getting freaked out. They said, you guys got to go. A guy in our church would get saved. He was one of the top young real estate agents in, the, in, in, in all of Orange County. And he came up with tears in his eyes one day when he gave his heart to Jesus. And he goes, this place changed my life. I'm going to find you your next building. And he, and, and he did. The day we had to find a building, this building came available. And literally, the weekend the city of San Juan said, you got to stop, was the first weekend we could start here. It was as though God was orchestrating everything. We have a picture of what I looked like before we started church planning. That's what I look like. This is what I look like after we moved to bank right here. Yeah. It ages you. It ages you. But you know what's crazy is God, is God would make a way. We got here, we're like, hey, we want to buy this building. We go to the landlord. I said, guys, and Todd Bassmajan is unbelievable. Todd, we love you so much. Todd and Scott Colton have been unbelievable for your church, all of you. They've been fighting for us. But he goes, and uh, we go to the owner. I asked the guys, what does this building work here at Big Parkway? They said, it's probably worth 18, maybe $19 million. We go to the landlord. We're like, that's more money than we have, but let's ask him if we could buy it. So we said, hey, can we buy your building? He said, yeah. Like, yes. He goes, I said, how much? He said, $31 million. I said, I don't like it that much. That's way overpriced. And we're going to steward because we don't deal with money at the church. We deal with worship. Money is people's worship. So we're not going to be bad stewards. So we're not going to do that. So the only option we had was to lease this for five years. We had a three-year option to get out. We're about a year and a half or almost a year into that right now. And literally, we started a series. Are you guys still with me today? We, we stretched. Financially, it was a stretch. We kept San Juan campus. That was a stretch. But we kept standing up, kept stepping up, and we kept stretching out. And we get to literally about five weeks ago, God says, start a series on the impossible. And I want you to take extra money that you would normally save, and I want you to sow it into other churches. So the Sunday we started this series, in the first week we sowed $10,000. I had a call the next day on Monday. I'm talking to our architects on this building. We're getting ready to start spending the $2.1 million that we saved up for this. 
but I want to paint this picture to you. It would be like taking your down payment on a house and putting it into remodeling your rental. No one likes to do that. So my like, God, that's our only option right now. And we're getting ready to make the, pull the trigger on this building. We have the money. And, and I, get a, I get a text message from Scott Colton. He says, call me immediately. I call him. He goes, Mark, I just caught wind. There is a property that we need to go look at now. It's not on the market yet. I got it before anybody else. He said, it's about 800 yards from your current bank facility. It's already, it's already been negotiated. The guy that was going to buy it backed out after they negotiated on the price. It's owned by a Christian university. And it's zoned for a church. That's a huge deal. It's literally 800 yards over these buildings here. And he says, if the price is locked, they said if we like it, we jump on it today, they would sell it to us. I said, how much does it cost? He said, $18 million. I was like, that's what we wanted a year ago. But it's still a lot of money. And then he said this, he goes, well, there's a full cash buyer we just found out about. And he wants, the business guy, he wants to buy it. No, no strings attached, he'll close right away. So they're saying if we want this building, that we have to put down a half a million dollar non-refundable deposit. And somehow we miraculously were able to talk them into giving us an additional week. That is this Wednesday. So what it stands right now is God gave us an opportunity to no longer be dictated by what our landlord says, no longer a victim of what the state says, but literally we would be owners of our own home, putting money into our own house, building a facility for our babies, designing with our families in mind, where our kids will get dedicated, where our friends will get baptized, and where all of Orange County can have a God encounter. I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. I'm glad you're excited. I need you to be excited. Grab a seat. Remember this excitement. Tell you where we're at. We talked to a lender that like literally is doing what no one else could do. They specialize with churches. They understand, like, if it would have been traditional, we would have missed this deal. These guys are flying here tomorrow. They said, Mark, your church is three years old. We don't do loans this size for three-year-old churches. We don't know if any other church in America in three years has asked for this size of a loan. We don't know if a church that's three years old in all of America that grew as fast as your church has grown. This is special. So, like, we'll fly out. So here's the deal. This building's $18 million. We have saved, I told you, $2.1 million. We have right now, since January, we have $3.1 million saved up. That's the way it's going to work. We've got to spend, we've got to give $4.5 million for a down payment. That's 25%. $4.5 million. Here's the kicker. You guys ready? Buckle up. We have 40 days to raise $1.4 million. 40 days. We've sown $300,000 in one month to India. We've sown, we've sown hundreds of thousands of dollars to other ministries in 60 days, 80 days, 90 days. We have never done something for ourselves like this. People last night, I, I, did, I, did, I told some of our core families last night, one guy came up to me and said, I have money set aside for my kitchen renovation. I'm gonna wait off on it. I'm gonna sow this. This is for future generations. This isn't philanthropy. This is legacy. So here's the deal. We're $1.4 million away. We pledged this week with 125 of our staff, some of our college students, some of our small group leaders, and some of our core families. And as we stand, as of this morning, we stand, literally, we announced it yesterday to these people. And in 24 hours, those 125 people have pledged in 40 days to give over $700,000 of it. Above and beyond normal time. Now, I'll be clapping louder about we're halfway there in 24 hours. We just did this last year. I don't know where we're at right now. But I know this, that today I'm believing as I meet with these guys tomorrow and they say, you got a million and a half to raise in 40 days. Can your church do it? 
I'm going to go to them with confidence in my eyes tomorrow because I can feel a little faith in the room today that we can do this. I know it's a big step, but I want to model to our church that we're not a church that waits for God to provide before we step out. We're not, we're not reckless, but we are going to, we're going to risk. There is a difference between risking in obedience and being reckless in stupidity. We are going to risk in faith. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I tell you a cool story? I have friends in Northern California. They are 10 year old church. They grew to a little bit bigger than us in 10 years. They rent 10 facilities. They've never owned one. And this flagship campus, it'd be like Mariners or something, like big campus, opens up for $32 million. Google is going to buy it and put a tower there. It's a big, a, big, uh, a big building. And one of the real estate guys, like Mike Scott, found out about it before Google could buy it. And he said, Pastor, come right now. This guy drove there that day, viewed the property, and the, the realtor said, look, here's the good news. The good news is you can buy it. You're the first one that can swing at the pinata. He goes, here's, here's the challenge. It's $32 million, and you got to give me a half a million dollars right now before you even talk to anybody on Sunday. And it's non-refundable. This pastor goes, this is what we've been praying for. This is crazy. Wrote a half a million dollar check after he called the board. Got up in front of his church on Sunday. He goes, we're 10 years old. We have 10 campuses. We don't own anything. And today, I want to announce to you that in Palo Alto, God has give, given us one of the most uh, iconic venues out of all churches in our area. And the church rejoiced like you guys clapped a few seconds ago. But then he says, all right, there's a challenge. He says, this is what he told his church. We got to raise $8 million, 45 days. So it's like, Lord, thank you for 1.4. They had to raise eight. There's a really smart guy named Vance at his church. And Vance is a tech guy, worked for Google. And he developed a platform for nonprofits and churches out of their need so that people could give stock. A lot of people in the tech industry there that have stock options. Their church raised over $6 million in 45 days in stocks and in cryptocurrency. You know what's wild about this whole deal? We signed up. It's called Overflow. We signed up for it a month ago before we knew about this. I had no idea that we we're going to come to the church and go, hey, we got to raise $1.4 million. But we did. And as of today, you can give with stocks. And uh, this week, you'll be able to give with cryptocurrency. Here's what I'm trying to say. I'm saying all this to say, I, I, God told us at the beginning of this year, we're going to be owners and not renters. We're going to sow, but we're going to reap. So I want to I wanna show you a video. Can I show you a video? Watch this video. Let me give you a number, 18 million. That's what it will take to build this house, to establish permanence locally in order to extend the kingdom globally, to develop next level leaders, launch city shaking church planters, to train up future generations, to raise up chain breaking worshipers, to make a God encounter epicenter, where we create music, media, and movements that change society, shift regions, ignite a state, and awaken the nations. So count the cost of not, of not reaching out with everything that we have for the sake of kingdom expansion. Partner with us as we take on 60,000 square feet of heavenly purpose with 1,200 seats primed for revival, all with one goal to broadcast the greatest news ever given to humanity from Orange County to the ends of the earth, from neighborhoods to nations as the waters cover the sea. Get ready, church. Spare no expense. God is with us. Come on, do you believe that we can do it? I believe God. Come on, everybody stand to your feet. I believe God. We got one life to live. And I just believe this is the beginning of our story. This is our first flagship, not our last. It's where we start. And I believe today, come on, come and stand your feet all over. I feel his presence in here. I'm going to do two things. I'm going to pray, number one, just to validate that this is God. Some of you are going to get physically healed right now. There's someone that you're numb in your left leg and God's healing you right now. You'll see miracles that break out now to validate that this God is in this movement. Beyond the miracle of just someone getting healed here, there's someone with cancer right now, terminal cancer. 
And I just pray for a miracle so glorious that even the atheist doctors and the atheist family members would bow their knee to you. I pray today, Lord, that you would do what only you can do in a way that only you could do it. Need healing in your body, just lift your hands. Do two things right now, we'll close. Need healing in your body, lift your hands. Just stretch your hands up, come on, stretch out. Say with me, stretch out. Need healing today, mental healing, physical healing. Someone's bipolar, schizophrenic. Some of you are just on heavy dosages of medication. Come on, I believe that God heals. Hands up all over, that's you. Come on, lay your hands on somebody that has their hands up, physical, mental, or spiritual. But we're a church that believes. Anybody believe that God still heals today? So I pray today for the woman with the issue of blood. I pray for the barren womb. I pray, Lord, for the, for the demonic, Lord God, the person that's struggling with darkness in their soul, pathological lying. I pray for the, 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 the woman in here that's even, Lord, cutting herself. God, I pray, Lord, for those that are addicted that can't get out of their bondage to opioids, to methamphetamine, to cocaine. I pray this will be a day that you would deliver those in darkness. We pray mental, physical, and spiritual healing right now in Jesus' name. Oceans, would you declare this, this prayer today all over these tents? Would you say, Jesus Christ, you are the Lord over this temple. You are the Lord over this body. From the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. By the stripes of Jesus Christ, we believe, we declare, they are healed. So right now, do what only you could do to get all the glory in Jesus' name. Spirit of God, just healing right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. All over, online, right now, right now, right now, right now. Yeah, right now. Come on, if you're here today, if you've been healed in this church, just give me a wave offering. God healed you in one of these services. A lot of hands being waved around. If you gave your life to Jesus in these tents, would you give me a wave offering? You gave your life to God in this church, wave offering. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Here's what we're gonna do, last thing we're gonna do, two last things we're gonna do. Second to last thing I, sh I should say, is if you're here, eyes closed just for a moment, hands down just for a moment, if you know that today's your day to step up, to step out, and that to, to stretch out to God and say, God, I want, I wanna, I wanna heed your word, I wanna live for you, and I wanna be healed. It's interesting, you know, all the gospels document that after this miracle, it says the entire region started bringing sick people the entire region broke out in miracles because this guy, I believe, was the first fruits of an entire region. And I'm praying that today those that are healed in the service will be the first fruits of even many others that would be healed here and in the new in the new facility. So I pray right now, Lord, if someone here needs to get right with you, rededicate their life to you, or for the first time, put their faith in Jesus. Eyes closed, heads bowed. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to lift your hand really high right now. That's me. Your heart's speeding up. Today's that you invite God. Would you just raise your hand all over? I'll give you three seconds. Hands going up. One. All over. The many hands going up. Two. More hands going up. More hands going up. Real high, real high. Three. Give a good hand clap. Good hand clap. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Real high, real high. Eleven, twelve, thirteen. Real high, real high, real high. Fourteen, fifteen. Come on, give God a good hand clap today. If you're online, right heart. H-E-A-R-T. If you want to give your heart to God today, last week there were seven people online that got saved live. There's many more that do after they watch it as it rebroadcast. Re but I believe that today there's many more. That's over 20 plus people again today. We have 20 to 60, 70 people every weekend. And for all of you that are like, we shouldn't spend money on buildings, listen to me. If you had a baby dropped off on your front door and it was, it, you, it was yours to either take it in or to leave it outside. How many would take that baby in? Another question, if you had the money to add on to your house when you brought a new child in, how many would add on? How many would say, as long as the babies kept coming, I would keep adding on to my house? That's what we're doing. We're not trying to waste money. We're not trying to just have these, these, these gaudy auditoriums and buildings. I know Orange County doesn't like building stuff sometimes, but listen to me, we're doing this out of necessity. This is not for our name's sake. It's not to brag about how big our church is. It's simply to make room. We have 20 to 60 people being dropped off at our doorstep, at our parking lot, in our tents, every week. We're gonna take care of these kids, aren't we Orange County? We're gonna take care of these people. So I want you to pray this prayer 
with With those 20 plus people today, say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Would you forgive me? Would you heal me? I give you not only my good hands, but I give you my withered areas. Would you heal me, strengthen me, and make me like you in Jesus' name? If you pray that prayer, go ahead and say amen. Come on, 10 second hand clap to Jesus. Right now, Rochelle and I, we, we're, we're doing this. I have it in my Bible. Would you, grab, would you grab it out of the Bible there for me? I already filled it out. We're going to pass out these cards right now. These are uh, what, we, what we gave those 120 people. And what it says is your name. And listen, this isn't fantasy, but it is faith. I need you to just go, if this is your church, and you want to be a part of helping us get to 1.4, I didn't say this, but over the next six months, we'll have to raise $2 million. We raised as a church $2.1 million in 12 months for a lease. I'm asking us to raise a, a, another $2 million after the 40 days in six months to own and to do the tenant improvements in the building. So we're going to do both. So I'm asking you to, to give us a pledge that's realistic but faith-filled that you know you can do. And please, do me a favor, if this is your normal ties or your normal offering and you're just switching money around, that's not, that's not really helping this, this purpose. This is above and beyond what you normally give to the church. Rochelle and I reached into our savings and, and, and we're, we're, we're giving. It's, 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 it's a good chunk of our savings. But I have found that I can remodel some of my house right now. I, I felt convicted even like, God, why would I re- remodel some stuff in my house when we don't even own a house here yet for the church? So I'm asking you today, whether you want to do stocks, there's options here. You can go into your portfolio, give some of your 401. People are going to give whatever God puts on their heart. But I'm asking you, this isn't like, here's a $100 tip, God. I'm asking, let it be something significant today. Write down what you can do in 40 days, the first line. The second one is above 40 days. After that's over, what you can do after that. So let's say I can do $1,000 in 40 days, and then I can do 5,000 more over six months. The total of that would be 6,000, right? So 5,000 and 1,000, right? 6,000 total and how you plan on giving. And again, the stock option is already on our website. The crypto will be up this week. We're gonna sing the song one time. This is what we're gonna close it. This is historic. We have never done this before. We're gonna put buckets at the front. And I'm gonna ask as we sing this last song to ask the Holy Spirit and then your wife or your husband. That's smart, come on somebody, it's wisdom right there. What should we give? I wanna get, not fantasy, don't tell me it's 10 million and you're planning on winning the lottery, that doesn't help us. I'm asking, I, I, I believe that God, I have this and God's gonna let me do this. And today, again, what your 40 day goal is, what your six month goal is, why are we doing this? Because tomorrow when I meet with the bankers, they want to know how much our church is ready to go. So I would love it tomorrow if I can look them in the eyes and say, yeah, we got the 1.4 and we're going to do $2 million over the next six months. Are you guys with me? I'll be honest, it's easier to stay small and just not stress out and, and try to expand. But if there's kids being dropped off, I will keep on making more room. Amen? That's what we're going to do. Are you with how many are with us? Are you guys with us? I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just trying to do what God's asking us to do. So as you feel that, you start coming forward. I'll start us off the service, but we're going we're gonna to say, God, that's what I plan on doing. I already did a third of that last night. I'll do the rest of it this week. 40-day goal, six-month goal, and, uh, and yeah, total at the bottom. So ahead, they'll get cards. So if you want a card, just lift your hands real high. You want a card, just lift your hand real high. We'll get a card to you. We'll get a card to you. We're going to sing this song. Come on, how many want to build God's house? Can I ask you a question? Let me, one last question, last question. If heaven is real, hypothetically, if it's real, how many want to get there and say, I spent more money on my house payments, I spent more money on my cars, and I spent more money on my vacations than I did in God's kingdom? Let it not be said of Ocean's Church that we invested in anything as heavily as we did in His kingdom, which is the local church. Amen? I believe some of you might be able to give a million dollar check. I want you to know, we're not just trying to raise three and a half million. We are going to pay all $18 million off and we will be a debt-free church in a couple of years. Mark my words. Amen? So if you want to help us out, come on, go ahead and be, as you feel like, come on up, drop it off in the buckets. Let's sing this song. It's all to you, it's all to you. 
It's all to you, it's all to you It's all to you, it's all to you Then we pour out our praise Just sing that again, it's all to you It's all to you, it's all to you It's all to you, it's all to you It's all to you, it's all to you Then we pour out our praise Sing it again It's all to you, it's all to you It's all to you, it's all to you, Jesus. It's all to you, it's all to you. And then we pour out our praise. Sing it again. It's all to you, it's all to you. It's all to you, it's all to you. It's all to you, it's all to you. And then we pour out our praise. Sing it again. It's all to you, it's all to you, Jesus. It's all to you. It's up to you, it's up to you, that we pour out our prayer. It's all to you, it's up to you, it's up to you, Jesus. It's up to you, it's up to you, it's up to you, it's up to you, that we pour out our prayer. Sing your cross, your cross is my freedom, your stripes is my Speaking, your love is still reaching our praise, King Jesus. It's all to you, it's all to you, it's all to you, Jesus. It's all to you, it's all to you, it's all to you, it's all to you. Then we pour out our hands. It's all to you, it's all to you. It's up to you, it's up to you. It's up to you, it's up to you. Yeah, we pour. Let's sing it's up to you, it's up to you. Come on. It's up to you, it's up to you. It's up to you, it's up to you. Come on. It's up to you, it's up to you. Yeah, we pour. So we pour out our pain. It's up to you. given us this land. God, as we put down a footprint in this county, we put our roots down. I pray this will be the beginning, Lord, of a supernatural season. I pray, Lord, even as we're sacrificing, I know people that are selling cars, like extra car to, to give to this, people that are giving some of the down payment they had on their own house to this, 
And I pray, Lord, that as, as we sacrifice for your house, that you would take care of ours. Is there anybody in Orange County that believes if we take care of God's house, he'll take care of ours? So, Lord, we make your house a priority. I pray in the next 40 days that we would raise well over $2 million. I pray in the next six months that we would raise well over $3 million. I pray that the bank would be shocked. I pray that we would pay this building off way ahead of schedule. I pray that we would never waste money, Lord, long-term on mortgage payments, but we'd be a generous, profusely generous church. I pray that you would bless the giver. You said that if we sow in good soil, there would be 30, 60, and 100-fold returns. I even pray today, Lord, an audacious prayer that what we sow in these baskets, what we give this month, what we do in the next 40 days, let it be 60, let it be 100-fold returns. I know it doesn't always come back monetarily, but I pray we'd see it in our children, our grandchildren, in future generations. I see some of your kids coming back from college and meeting their spouse in that building. I see some of them getting married in that building. I see your grandkids getting baptized in that parking lot. Come on, eyes of faith, we see God doing the impossible. So Lord, I pray today that as we give you our hearts, we give you a sacrifice of gift, that God, you bless everybody for sacrificing in Jesus' name. God, it's our desire to build your house in Jesus' name. We have more cards, they told me, at the giving station. If you didn't get one yet, you can get one there. If you don't want to get a card, um, it'd be great if you did, but if you want to just give today, that's, 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 that's even better in some ways, that if you go onto Ocean's Church, click on the giving tab, and click on Vision Fund, all that money will go be dedicated to this next season of our life. Vision Fund, click on that. Again, you can get a stock. This week, later in the week, there should be a crypto option, but I do believe that God is going to do a miracle. Do you believe it, church? So, Lord, we love you. We'll keep these baskets up here after service for about five minutes, ten minutes. So if you need to pray about it a little bit longer, you can figure that out and then bring it out. Grab a giving card there. Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the good days that are ahead of us. And we gave our lives to you, Lord. We text 94,000 a day. It's a new life to 94,000. I thank you that, Lord, there's awesome stuff coming up. We'll go on the app and check it out. I know we're about over on time. So I pray, Lord, that this be an incredible week. I pray that you would surprise us as we gear up for Easter. I pray another season of crazy good growth so many babies being dropped off in this house we love you we honor you in jesus name in the church of god that has some faith like the book of acts said amen thanks for listening to our podcast have a great week